Croiso. Hello and welcome. And I should add, uh, Nadoli Klawin. Merry Christmas or happy holidays for our friends friends here listening in the US. Uh, I am Richard. Uh, I'm here as ever with my uh, stalwart co-host, Gideon. Say hello, Gideon. Shumai. Um We're also joined today by two very special guests, two key members um, of the New York Welsh, uh, Gwilym Roberts Harry. Hello, Shumai. And Rachel John. Hello. Now, of course, uh, this is obviously the New York Welsh podcast. That is the podcast that celebrates Welsh success stories in New York, while hopefully inspiring the creation of some new ones. Um, but today we're going to do something a little bit different, um, given that it's getting towards the end of the year. Um, and this is our first full year in uh, production. That's right, because we started in the summer last year. Yes, July 2018 is when we started. That sounds about right. Uh, so yes, we thought we'd do a special end of the year kind of recap podcast special. Uh, so yeah, how are we doing guys? Getting towards the end of the year, people feeling festive? I haven't been. No? I've been just too busy working, but then I saw a video this morning that made me feel very festive, and I think it's quite appropriate because it was a Welsh video. It's an ad that's gone viral. Have any of hmm. you heard of this? No. Okay, no. a Welsh ad. Local a Welsh business. Ad. A local, exactly. Okay, so I can't remember the name of the town, but the shop is called Havod Hardware, and apparently they make a, a Christmas ad every year and just, I don't know, put it on YouTube probably, and... This year, it's gone viral, and good for them. It got, it's, got, it's got. Shall I tell the story? Or shall I let people watch it? Oh, well, spoiler alert! I think if people people don't want to know, they can fast forward. Okay, so spoiler alert. Um, it's a uh, it's a little boy he wakes up, and like you see him brushing his teeth and putting on his clothes, and he's walking out the house on his own. And he walks down the road, and he goes to the shop, opens up the shop drags the sign outside with his nan and just starts working, serves some customers and goes through the whole working day. And then at the end of the day, he closes the shop up and there's this massive Christmas tree outside. He bends down to pick it up and then there's a cut and you see the tree being picked up by the person that comes into frame is uh, is the kid's dad. Well, like a 30-year-old version of the kid. And then, <clears throat> and then he plods home with the tree and it says something like... Um, I don't know. Be a kid this Christmas, I think it says. Oh, like a Welsh, uh, Welsh John Lewis. No, but honestly, like John the Lewis. Production, <laughs> <laughs> the production values are as good as any of the John Lewis ads that they must spend millions on. They said their budget was a hundred pounds, and they spent that on um, studio space so they could record the song. Wow! Wow! Yeah. So there you are. That's my that's my feeling festive bit. Yeah, I'm feeling more Christmassy now. After that story, yeah, yeah, you should look it up. Honestly, look it yeah, up when well. you um, when we when you finish. Yeah, I haven't quite gotten into the holidays yet. I have same same thing. I've been working a lot, so it's I'm 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 waiting for to see the spend more time with my niece and nephew. They're they always make me feel the holidays because they're so excited about everything. And where are they? They're here in Brooklyn. My uh, all my siblings and my mom here live here in Brooklyn. So oh, that's nice. Nice. Yeah, uh, so Gideon, I have to say, I. I, th- I felt sorry for you this week when I was putting this together <laughs> because I suddenly started thinking one of the things that always makes me festive is a holiday, you know, work holiday party. Are you having a holiday party with work? I missed it. You missed it. Okay. Yeah. Oh, you had it already? They have it early in December. The uh, government employees, you get a ticket and uh, you go. So they always do it a little early. We have our in-office holiday party this week. But they do like a two-hour lunch and everyone gets out in the hallways with tables and has lunch together oh well, there we go so, so, and I, I always have them too but then i suddenly thought well kids you know being uh in film and tv it's so i imagine like scheduled and you go on and off shows and things that like do you have holiday parties i had one last that a night big thing oh you did get you do get them i am hanging today oh. <laughs> <laughs> you look fine <laughs> thank you <laughs> is it just every production will have one if you happen to be doing christmas yeah if if you're on a job that spans christmas because we're coming back in january and so they thought they'd do a holiday party for us Ah, what did what did they do they hired out the bar that's downstairs in the studio and there was food and dancing and open bar 
Nice. Yeah, that's good. Very nice. Yeah, must have been. Well, you got a holiday parties? I think I'm going to be feeling the same way Gideon feels on the 18th, because on the 17th, we have the New York Welsh party, and mm. also on the 17th is the work lunch party. Ooh, so it's well, that's going to be a long day a double. Yeah. yeah. And then you'll get, of get off work early after the party. I hope so. And then <laughs> come straight to the New York Welsh party. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, we should probably do some introductions. Um, so, Rachel, do you want to kick us off? Tell us a bit about who you are, what you do, and maybe how you even started to become involved with the New York Welsh? Uh, sure. Um, so I'm the secretary of the New York Welsh, uh, and I, I, I got involved uh, actually through my mother. So both my mother and father are Welsh, and we were all born here, so I'm American. Um, and she had a friend who was involved in the kind of the Welsh meetup for a couple of years ago, a little, a little bit before New York Welsh began. And I just started coming with her, and it's it's really lovely, a nice way to like uh, feel like you're a part of something and to go back to your roots. It's mm. it's lovely, and it's nice for her as well to have meet up and uh, occasionally t try out her language skills a little bit. She's a little rusty, um, but it's just a lot of fun. Nice. And to showcase her Welsh cake making skills. Yes, she does enjoy that. And I enjoy eating her Welsh cake. <laughs> yes, I remember eating. I can't remember which what event it was that they... She brings them all the time. Yeah, yeah, it was it's great. Say, it was so good. <laughs> so that's your mam. Every time I've had a Welsh cake, that's your, that's your Probably mom. most of the time, yeah. And it's great. She, she never really used to make them quite so often until she started going to the Welsh events. And now she makes them all the time, which is, is lovely. Happy with that. Uh, and so I am one of the founding members of New York Welsh. Show off. <laughs> <laughs> there was, so yeah, there was a Facebook group uh, of um, uh, Welsh members before we arrived. And then 2017 really kicked off New York Welsh. Uh, and ever since then, uh, yeah, just been trying to um, pull more and more avenues of the community together. Nice. And what, and what, I mean, what do you guys do outside, so outside of New York Welsh? Tell us a bit about what do you do in your... Um, so by trade, I guess, I'm a barrister, a lawyer, uh, and I'm working for the UN at the moment. There's a uh, intergovernmental meeting event forum that happens every year on the Sustainable Development Goals, and I'm involved in stakeholder engagement in that. Huh. And and has, have you have you found those things two things interlocking much like being involved in the UN and government and obviously the, I know New York Welsh have some relations to the Welsh government like have you found those two things kind of crossing paths in any way or, or not really Yeah, because I think I mean I think there are two elements. The first is that there's this community building element and you know bringing uh, together the voices, uh, and the second is finding opportunities for show to showcase or finding opportunities for people to advocate on you know particular issues. So I think there there are common roots there. Nice, probably a similar skill set. Yeah. 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 What about you, Rachel? Uh, I'm a lawyer here in the U.S. and I practice. I work for the uh, city of New York. Um, I help them uh, purchase. Well, I help them with construction. So I work for the Department of Design and Construction. And since now I've brought it up, I have to say that any views expressed today are my own personally and uh, are not the views of the city of New York. <laughs> Sorry. That's very, very far. <laughs> Required. Uh, um, uh, so I, I'm involved in a lot of public works projects around the city, which is a lot of fun. Interesting. Uh, not a lot of crossover with New York Welsh so much, no, or the Welsh so government, much. but uh, uh, it, it's, it's pretty fun to walk around the city and be like, I know how that was built and mm. I did that contract. That's fun. Very cool. Did you grow up in Brooklyn? No, no, I grew up in uh, Westchester, just north of the city um, in Ossining, okay. uh, where Sing Sing Prison is, our claim to fame. <laughs> Uh, we moved to the city, I moved to the city like 10 years ago, about a little over. Okay. And my family has kind of all moved here since then, which is lovely because they're, they're so close. Yeah, nice. And Gwil, you've, you've lived in, how long have you lived in New York now? Four years. Four years. Yeah, and originally from Carmarthen. Uh, Carmarthen. West Wales. Nice. And what brought you to New York originally? Uh, my wife, Lauren, had an opportunity with work. Um, she works uh, in technology and we thought it was too good an opportunity to pass up. Uh, she'd travelled to New York a couple of times before and so was pretty keen to do it. 
I'd never been, but you know, you don't hear bad things about New York, and I thought, well, how bad could it be? <laughs> so the first time, the first time you got to New York was when you were arriving with all your stuff. Yeah, to move here. Yeah, and oh, wow. first time I saw the Statue of Liberty was on the IKEA ferry uh, over to go and pick <laughs> up a sofa because we had oh, no a, furniture a, at all. <laughs> true immigrant story. <laughs> <laughs> your suitcase in hand <laughs> and a flat pack in the other. Yeah. Uh, well, maybe we can start by looking back a little bit at some of the highlights from New York Welsh this year. Um, maybe you guys can tell us a little bit. What are your, your favourite moments from the year, from the events? Well, I'm thinking of the Rugby World Cup. We got yeah. very far. That was obviously a sad day uh, when we lost to South Africa, but the, the run-up to it was, was wonderful. And even it was nice to have everybody there. I was surprised so many people showed up at five in the morning to watch that semi-final that was great it was great atmosphere yeah and some of them were three in the morning four in the morning so there, i feel yeah. like there was like a cusp between ones that were like late night and ones were like early morning yeah. or maybe some people just did a bit of both i don't know i definitely skipped the 3 a.m <laughs> <laughs> and when we said we should probably explain it do you want to tell us about where we watched the games and sure so uh new york welsh used to meet at sunken hundred uh a restaurant that was run by uh Ithlid barrett who you've had on the podcast uh and uh when that unfortunately closed um a bar owner uh called glenn who's at the liberty nyc on 35th in manhattan said well, we have a club room downstairs and you can use it for your events because I want to support anything that's, you know, uh, for the Welsh community. Uh, and so we started, it, it was kind of a slow build, but we were lucky enough to have, you know, Six Nations around the corner. And now it's really kind of been seen as, you know, the home of Welsh rugby in New York because I think for the Six Nations downstairs, there were they, they, it was over capacity, so they had to take people upstairs, about 120 people there. And then for that 5 a.m. semi-final, I mean, the place was packed as well. So it's it great to see. must have had like 60 people or something yeah. at five in the morning. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, I actually went, I went straight to the airport after that. Cause I was going <laughs> to Columbia for work. So I had my case with me going into, I mean, the guy thought, thought he was going to use that airport. I got into the cab at whatever it was, four in the morning. He was like, airport? I was like, nope. <laughs> 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 he left and went to a bar. Pop. <laughs> oh, please. <laughs> Actually, I took a cab from, I live pretty far south in Brooklyn, and I took a cab because it was so late in the morning. I wasn't going to deal with the subway. And we got off the FDR, and we're going along 35th Street, which is kind of uphill, and I see this guy riding a bicycle with a daffodil hat on. <laughs> I was like, I know where he's going. And I rolled down the window, and I yelled, yeah, go whales. Probably scared the crap out of him. I, I apologized when we got to the bar. <laughs> It's nice, though, because even at that time in the morning, people were starting the songs and, you know, getting up and cheering. There wasn't, you wouldn't have known that it was five o'clock in the morning when you were down there. No, especially not because you all had pints in your hands. <laughs> yeah, of course. We're watching rugby. <laughs> one of my favorite moments, and I, okay, it wasn't from this year, but I think if I look back to one of the favorite moments is the uh, International Dylan Thomas Day that was at the Sunken Hundred. You, I think you guys were both there for that, right? Mm -hmm. I was mm -hmm. working. Oh, you missed that one too. I, w I, I went to the one 2018 at the Liberty. Uh, okay, so I went, the one, it must have been 2017. Um, it was an evening of different poems and songs and readings. Uh, I'll, I'll never forget Matthew Reese standing up on the bar uh, reading. God, can you remember? I think it was The Trip. Mm. Yeah, I think I think uh, I forget if it was the Dylan Thomas Day or if it was St. David's at Sunken Hundred. I brought my uh, one of my American friends who was just so confused. He was like, what is going on here? Why are is why are these people singing? What is this place? It was great. Well, um, what about your your two favorites? Um, I really enjoyed this year at, at the Liberty. Um I think it was St. David's Day with the massive amount of cheese. Because <laughs> there was a lot of cheese. Oh, there was yeah. a lot of cheese. I mean, it was like a great. breeze block of uh, cheese. Yeah, the, the Collins and Pendaren both donated quite a bit of... Didn't, didn't Pendaren donated whiskey as well? Yeah. It yeah. So. was so, a lot of whiskey, I remember that. And there was a whole <laughs> range too. Yeah, they had all of the bottles. Um, but I, I just thought it was a lot of fun. It was, it was packed and... Uh, some of the singing and of course it getting up and and doing his the poem 
Um, the the walls are adorned with the you know the Welsh flag, and then there's the uh, uh, Celtic knots, and then there's daffodils up on the walls. Mm-hmm. Everyone sat around in their kind of um, smaller tables. Um, there's Welsh food and Welsh drink, and people you know kicking off singing songs. And then we have uh, Chloe Wilson, for example, you know singing and performing to the entire group. Yeah, Caroline, um, isn't it? Yeah. And she's in one of the previous podcasts too. She has a phenomenal voice. Yeah, I think she was one of the most memorable points of the night this this past year. Yes. Um, well, what I thought we'd do is also talk a little bit about the podcast um, since we're getting onto it. Um, since we've now recorded a whole twenty two episodes, uh, twenty we had twenty different Welsh success stories in New York um, from nineteen different well nineteen living and one deceased. <laughs> see the great oh, Dylan, Dylan Thomas, Thomas. Um, oh no which one of them died <laughs> I didn't know <laughs> uh, and then obviously our, most recently we have our two part special on the Welsh language um, so yeah I don't know Gideon any moments stick out to you in, in the mind if, uh, particularly poignant poignant I don't know poignant or, or really inspiring what was the, your most inspiring story or moment that comes to mind I really felt inspired by Ibi, Ibi Tarafta, who uh, was on this summer. He, he, it was just his, his tenacity and his ambition that I found not just inspiring, but infectious. Um, anybody who uh, has like a creative outlet they want to pursue or an entrepre- entrepreneurial idea that they, they want to look into, uh, recommend listening to the Ibi Tarafta episode because uh, after that I felt very motivated to get out and do some things that I've been thinking about doing. Yeah, Ibi, he's, uh, he was episode 17, I think, and he's a graphic designer from Cardiff uh, who has his own studio, has worked from the lights of, uh, I think, was it Mayweather Productions and some of Jay-Z's team. It was, mm. it was really amazing to hear how we went from pretty much just graduating college to suddenly being in these boardrooms in the US mm-hmm. meeting with these people. Pretty amazing. He's a great follow on Instagram as well. We're scanning up to a lot. What about you, Gwil? What's your favourite? For me, I think part one. Uh, I really enjoyed... Oh, is it part two? The uh, No, it's part two of the Welsh language, Oitin Shadok and Raik. And specifically the parts about Welsh activism and the kind of clever ideas uh, that they uh, had, you know, to kind of promote the language. Uh, but also um, Professor Kate, who mm. I hadn't really considered... Um, you know the neurological uh, benefits of learning a second language and I think she really hit home uh, some kind of points that I hadn't really thought about before so that was wonderful hmm. and Rich you confess that you're not a big podcast listener I'm, I'm really not have you listened to any of the episodes I've listened to some but okay. so which, not we, in a while any that stand out for you in, in mind that kind of st- there was I guess probably one of the earlier ones uh no no i got nothing i'm sorry (laughs) (laughs) that's all right we'll let you off the hook um thank you (laughs) uh i tell one that for me so i think i was as i was going through this i um i went back through so i've I've got a little um quiz for you all but um the one i have to say going through them all the one that really going listen to them again stood out for me was uh lucy jones Mm. um i think her story i mean i think we've got some really in inspiring stories of people doing uh, incredible things i think you know uh, you mentioned ibby i think gareth reese mm-hmm. um you mentioned chloe already um as well as claire felt like some really great stories of people doing important things but um i thought lucy in particular um lucy's a designer uh, who while at uh, parsons uh, created her basically her project final year project which was um, a brand and a product of um, clothing for a range of clothing for seated people, people in wheelchairs. Um, and it ended up being incredibly successful. She got invited to the White House, featured in big um, kind of museums and uh, for MoMA, an exhibition at MoMA, the Museum of Art and Design, and ultimately got a grant to create her uh, business, which actually launched earlier this year called Fora. Um, if anyone wants to look it up, um, it's F F O R A. Um, really incredible story, a great mission. And um, what, what I've forgotten about it is up until when she went, the, f- the fashion course she did, everyone focused on high-end fashion. 
they had models brought in that everyone used to show their clothing. And because she, she actually turned the brief of what a fashion project could be by choosing a different user. And it meant she didn't, didn't have models. She couldn't use the models, had to go and find her own subjects and users. Um, and as a result, I think subsequently Parsons have re, has actually changed their description for what the course is. Um, so I, I, just, I just think that's amazing. Broke the mold. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I also found other like favorite moments. Um, I really, and it, actually sitting here today, uh, again, the four of us now with these four mics. Uh, the last time we had four mics, I'm going to ask you, kids, do you remember the last time we had four mics out? We, the only time we ever had four of us was when it was Sir Carl Jenkins and his wife. Yes. Lady Carol Barrett. Yes, correct. Um, that was, yeah, that was a, I thought that was a great episode. Um, where we actually, did, I think we did that in the hotel opposite uh, the Carnegie Hall. Yes. That was a great one. He sounded like a right character. He is. Yes. Him, they're both, both him and, and Lady Barrett were a lot of fun. Um, my other favourite uh, thing <laughs> going through the episodes was remembering how up until I think about episode seven or eight we were pr- pronouncing Croiso as Croiso. Yeah, well, until your mam <laughs> told us that we were saying it wrong. When you announced that, I felt really bad because I was like, I should have said something. But I mean, you know. <laughs> you're like the kind of guy that you've had food on your teeth and like no one said anything. Like, well, you could, have, you could have said something. Well, I thought you were doing a wonderful job. I mean, you know, it's not, uh, you don't want to be picking that early stage. You, you guys are doing a fantastic <laughs> job of getting this thing going and keeping it going. And it's been fab. And so. it shows the learning process. Yeah. What's well, so funny that you, I was listening back and kids, you, you were doing it with such conviction. You're like, hello, and Croiso. You're like really hitting that hard. Croiso. <laughs> it was so good. Um, also, my favorite pun, there's many, many puns, but my favorite pun from the whole one was uh, we were talking about Emma Pritchard and some of the clients she'd worked with. Do you remember who she worked with? Well, the only thing I can remember about Emma Pritchard's clients is that she dressed a chimpanzee for, for one. Giving away all the. Qu- Giving away all the answers to the quiz here. Just asked me. No, I was asking. So the client that uh, she worked for was De Beers. Oh, okay. (laughs) A little different than the chimpanzee. What was the pun? The pun was uh, all all De Beers. (laughs) You were very amused by it. Uh, So, yes, let's start with the quiz. Okay. Um, Okay, so how are we going to work? Do this. It's going to be Rachel and Gwil versus Gids. You're going to be two on one. And it's about. The podcast episodes about the podcast episodes, and, and Rachel's and never listened to any of them. I am I am not a big listener, so Gwil is on his own here. Yeah, pass I'll, the buzzer. I'll, in uh, I'll, I'll 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 chip in with well, a I few. I did say on the WhatsApp group there would be a quiz, but maybe I didn't make it specific enough that it would be for the for the podcast. Rachel's been um, brushing up on her general knowledge <laughs> for University Challenge. Um, so yeah, Rachel and Gwil versus Gideon. I'm going to give e- the two of you first dibs on every question because i expect gideon as being in every interview and also editing every podcast episode that he will win by a, a landslide so question number one in episode 11 we met the great composer paul milo this was ahead of his u.s premiere of requiem at carnegie hall now after the podcast paul said he was heading to central park to capture a glimpse of what famous animal that had mysteriously appeared and was all over the news uh, it's the hot duck. <laughs> what? The mandarin duck. The mandarin duck. Affectionately duck. known as the hot duck. Uh, I don't think it was the right time of year for that, but that's the one uh, animal that I can remember people really turning out for in Central Park. I might be wrong. No, that was 100% correct. It yeah. was the duck and actually got the bonus point, which was for naming the breed of the duck, which is the mandarin duck. Yeah, so, Rachel, you are <laughs> contributing um, so yes, Mandarin ducks, as the name suggests, they're native to East Asia, uh, and supposedly this duck had escaped from a farm in New Jersey, um, or the other rumour was that it was released into the park on purpose by its owner, but um, certainly by the articles I read, they, apparently it didn't have enough air time to actually keep people's attention to stay in the news while people figured out why it got there. But during that week... It was and it's gone now? Yeah, hasn't it disappeared now? Isn't that the next mystery? Oh, really? Like, where it's gone? Yeah, where where is it? Maybe Paul Milo. Maybe, it's, maybe people <laughs> look up, should look at Paul Milo's house. <laughs> <laughs> he was awfully interested in that duck. Uh, no, but it, the, that duck had this whole... Uh, there were memes flying around the internet about it because it started to molt or to defeather. 
Uh, and there was this thing which was, you know, if you can't take me at my best, then you don't deserve... If you can't take me at my worst, then you don't deserve me at my best. And, uh, yeah, then photos started going around from this uh, Mandarin duck, but looking not as uh, bright and beautiful as it had been during the summer. <laughs> There's a life lesson for, in this for us all. <laughs> well, uh, to be fair, I wouldn't have got that it was a Mandarin duck. I remembered there was it was a duck. Okay. So you maybe have got that. Sorry, but I wouldn't have got Mandarin, so you deserve that one. Okay. So question two. Who was once given the nickname the One Man March by the Western Mail? One and only Isted Barrett. Correct. <laughs> is. We've we mentioned him already. He is uh, artist Isted Barrett. Um, was on episode one, uh, proprietor of the once great Welsh pub and restaurant at the Sunken Hundred. So that is th- oh, three. Well, you've got to explain the nickname. Oh, we've got to explain the nickname. Okay, will you explain the nickname? Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> can't remember now. It was, it was in New York. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So he, Saint- he wanted there to be a St. David's Day parade like there is a St. Patrick's Day parade. Uh, so he wanted to organise one. And he, I don't know how he advertised it. But when, when it came to it, he was the only one marching. But he must have had a permit or something because he said he walked down Fifth Avenue. Yeah, pic- oh, <laughs> if you Google it, there's pictures of him from all the Welsh dragon. He's a giant uh, um, flag and he's everything, yeah. And said he was really annoyed by it because they closed off Fifth Avenue especially for it. And, uh, <laughs> no, 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 no. It looked like it in the bar, though. Um, how okay. long ago was that? When did that happen? Oh, this five years, four or five years ago oh, now, maybe. I think. Quite a while. Um Okay, so here, next question. So Sunken Hundred has already, it's been mentioned quite a lot through the podcast episodes. Actually, it's already been mentioned today. Um, it's where actually we met Gideon. Actually, Gwilym, I think I first met you mm-hmm. at the Sunken Hundred as well. Um, it's how we met our guest of episode four, Hal John. Yes. Um, the writer and um, playwright. Uh, it's how our Welsh language expert from episode 22, Dr. Kate Phillips, was first introduced to us. Um so my question is, what Sunken Hundred wasn't always going to be called the Sunken Hundred. When we spoke to Ilthid, he told us a couple of the alternative names for what they almost called the bar. Can you? Name, I'll actually give you a point for every alternative name you can come up with. If How you many other? There's actually three he mentioned. Ooh, you're on your own. Okay, so. I I know that he wasn't a fan of this, so I'm not sure how far into the shortlist this got, but was Kutch mentioned as one? Kutch is one of them. Yeah. Oh, I'm oh. so glad he didn't call yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> is that just a lucky guess? No, the, I've heard I've heard him speak about that. Um, maybe something like a Mabinogion uh, as an initial idea before Country No. No. Nope. No. So I'm going to go to you, Gideon. Any thoughts, ideas? I, I can't remember the specifics. It was something. It was something like either the red dragon or the old dragon, because the joke was that he was <laughs> naming it after his mother. <laughs> correct. It is dragon. Just dragon. Just dragon but, is one of them. Well done. You got that a point. makes sense because they had the dragon wall with pictures. Yes. Of, uh, yes. His they had the wall. Other mothers up there. Very good. I always. I, I always hoped that I would I would get a picture of my mother up on that wall, and it, it never happened. Never happened. Oh, never. No, Your mum's too happened. nice to be a dragon, I think. Yeah. Oh, come on, it loves his mom. <laughs> I wasn't suggesting well, that. Well, <laughs> well, well, before I have to say it, so the, what I loved about it was he had this idea that if he called it dragon, he would have this button behind the bar of a recording of his mum for last <laughs> orders of just Brilliant. her shouting, Go home! <laughs> <laughs> was amazing great idea. brilliant um and the last one was since neither you got it was bendy getting mm. oh. yes mm. i remember that one. still two out of three i'm impressed guys all right next question uh which other guest that we've had on the podcast has their own experience with marching marching hmm Ooh. Uh, nothing immediately springing to mind um Nope. Is it um, is it Kian Llewellyn? Was that the name? It Kian Llewellyn was a guest on the podcast. He was, uh, I believe, he was a guest of episode three. Uh, he just made his uh, movie, uh, his short film. 
Um, but it is not Key and Llewellyn. I was going to suggest because they were marching people around, uh, marching that group around the different bars, but that's oh, not close yeah. enough. Yes, that was a good. That was a good guess. Yeah, I think it's over um, to you, Gids. I think he was. Yeah, he was. He was shot it in. It was the Dylan Thomas short story um, called "The Outing," uh, that he was uh, in his hometown of uh, Colston Barrett Bassett that he shot, and he was yeah marching him around. But no, that was not. That would have been a good answer. Um, any thoughts? No, not a clue. Give you a clue. It was, it's back. It's in Wales. Okay. And it has something to do with music. Ah, oh, there we are. Um, I've forgotten his surname. Davy from Boyazuga. Correct. I'm going to give you that. I'll give you a point, especially because you're behind. Uh, it okay. was uh, Davy Newington, who's the frontman of Boyazuga. Uh, he's episode nine. Uh, they he he went on the march um, oh, yes. for pr- protecting the music scene uh, in Cardiff. It was Save uh, Womanby Street, uh, and he was a big part of the um, when they closed down the roads and uh, actually uh, did a march uh, to help um, promote and save music in Wales. That was a good success story. Uh, okay, so a question around that. Um, when we spoke to Davey, mm. he was driving around filming for a music video. Mm. Uh, and it was the video for a song called Do the Standing Still. Now, this was a cover from a 70s punk Welsh punk band that I think his girlfriend's father was in. What was the name of the band? And I'll give you a clue. The reason they kept, went with the name is because they, they wanted it to become a household name. So it's. Oh. Were they like named after a piece of furniture or something? Yeah, or like a telephone or something. It's not a telephone. Is a piece of furniture like the tables and chairs or something? <laughs> I'm gonna yes. give you that. It was table. <laughs> yes. Just table. Just table. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they could be a household name. Well done. Okay, four three. You're pulling it back, Gideon. Are you winning now? Four three. We, oh, to us. You. Yeah. You've been okay. very generous with. Me. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, okay, so we, he, he wasn't the only um, singer-songwriter that we had on the podcast. Um, we also, on episode 14, interviewed Matthew Hitt, um, who's a frontman of another uh, indie rock band. Can either of you give me the name of the band? Yeah. I think, are you going? Willem, you, yeah. you, you okay. I should so, know it. I, I talked to him it. about the name of this band at one of the Welsh meetups, and I think I... I think I might have teased him about it at one point. I'd had a, few, a bit to drink. So I think it starts with a D. <laughs> Definitely does. Uh, and it's That's it? the... It's the... <clears throat> There's no V. Oh, okay. No. It does begin with a D. It's it's, just... it's Drenge or it's Dula. It's not Distillers. What was that again? <laughs> Dula. <laughs> Like a little trumpet you fanfare to, at the end the there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is that... No, I'm not going to give you that. I'm Is gonna... it really going over to me? It's going to go over to you. Drowners. Yes. Yes, of course. Well, what's the full name? Drowners Band. Drowners Band, yes. And why is it why is it Drowners Band and not the Drowners? Because there's a bonus a, already uh, a Scandinavian band called the Drowners that Matthew didn't know about. And then when when uh, a, a promoter, I think, called him and said, what's the, what, what name am I going to put on this on this support act that you've got coming along and he's just like okay gotta pick a name for the band and he said the drowners and then the promoter was contacted by loads of people who were massive fans of this niche scandinavian <laughs> punk band or rock band whoever they were and thought they were coming out of retirement so uh, yes so he had to change the name of his band correct uh okay so now we're even four four all yeah. right I mean, G- Gideon's celebration wasn't captured on the uh, on the mic there, but I think it's worth mentioning. Well, <laughs> Very would, proud of yourself. How would you describe that, that expression? <laughs> Clearly means a lot. I mean, um, you have been involved in every podcast. Okay. Well, I'm going to... This one might be a bit uh, harder because it's going to require a bit of math, which I'm not sure. Math or maths? Maths. Maths. Uh, more, more than one math. Then. More than one math. Plural math. You've been in America too long. <laughs> uh, which... Of our guests has published the most books. I know. Denny Taylor. Denny Taylor is correct. Now, for a bonus point, can you tell me how many books? What? 
How many books? How many books? Have a guess. Because mm, I know she does a lot of report writing as well on human rights issues. But books, um, 22. 22. No, it's not correct. Do you want to have a guess, Gideon? Is it more or less? It's less. 16. <sighs> no, not correct. Gideon, you were... Uh, actually, Gwilym, you were closer. Um, it's actually 19 books that she's mm. published. So we're not um, playing prices Right rules? We're not playing prices Right rules. <laughs> How, I, was I, <laughs> How is that closer? It's the same. Higher or lower? Equidistant. You said, what did he say? 22, that's three. Oh, you, you said six. Oh, that's three, you're right. That's equidistant. <laughs> uh, now, and let's continue on the theme of books. Next question. In episode 10, we spoke with Jemima Williams, who's an illustrator of uh, a number of different children's books. Uh, in fact, her, her book, Hibernate With Me, I would suggest makes a great Christmas gift if anyone's still looking. Uh, and actually, her next book, 100 Feet Tall, is actually available for pre-order right now. But my question is, which children's TV program did Jemima Williams do the illustrations for? I know this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, any guesses, Rachel? Have you heard this speaking with Jemima? The no, no, I haven't. Unless it's, I only know a couple of kids' cartoons, unless it's one of the three of those. You might as well. Yeah. I'll give you a safe. Sarah and Duck? No, it's not Sarah and Duck. No. Uh, Octonauts? I think that's computer generated. It's not really illustrated. It's not them. Octonauts. Much more mainstream. Yeah, a few years uh, ago. Paw Patrol? Those are the three children's shows that I know. I think it's, it's all, all very current. I think this is a few, probably, they were in their heyday a few years ago, I would say. Yeah, it's uh, Peppa Pig. It is indeed. Oh my God, Peppa, Peppa yeah. Pig. I didn't know that one. Damn it. And I know four children's shows. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I was sat next to her in the Sunken Hundred and uh, she starts talking about illustrating Peppa Pig. I was blown away. I thought, that's fantastic. And for a bonus question, while they were working on the show, she told us that they received a complaint for something that Pepper had done on the show. Can you remember what Pepper had done? Yes. It was something she hadn't done. Oh. That's a clue. Oh. I have no idea. No idea from Quill. They'd shown a scene where they were riding in a car... Peppa Pig hadn't worn her seatbelt oh. and they had a complaint from a parent whose kid said Peppa Pig didn't wear a seatbelt so neither am I. Yes, that is correct. It is for not wearing a seatbelt. And it wasn't just one scene. They actually had to go back and reanimate two whole series, which is hundreds of episodes to really? include, make sure that in every scene. Oh. Apparently they were in a car a lot uh, to make sure. It's okay. Fine. So we are, this is, this is pretty neck and neck. Uh, it is six points uh, to Grillam and Rachel and five points to Gideon. You can take a lot of pride in that, Rachel. I put a lot of effort in. <laughs> okay. And we're going to go into the last question. And there's a bonus one too. Claire Fowler, who came on to talk about her new film, Salam, a story of an immigrant lift driver who is part of the, the Palestinian diaspora, a subject that Claire herself is deeply passionate about. Um, but my question is, which film festival did Salam premiere at? Hmm. I think I know this because I think mm, I'm going to say, is it the Tribeca Film Festival? It is the Tribeca Film Festival. Well done. Uh, is that a lucky guess? <laughs> no, 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 no. How do you know that? Well, there's you a few think... to choose from yeah. in New York. Yeah. It could have been covered yeah. by this. Yeah. Um, I think I heard about it from another Welshman uh, who uh, is involved in film. And who said, you know, this is a fantastic film. You should try and catch it if you can. Mm, well done. So that means, yes, Grill and Rachel are the winners. I will give you the bonus question just in case, even though... Is it worth know, a point? Uh, it is worth a point. Okay, We can um, go, uh, you know, um, winner takes all if you like. Do you agree to these terms, Rachel? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Okay. Winner takes all. Quill is feeling very so wait, confident, so, apparently. Oh, but you still get first dibs on this. Well, you can go first if you like. No, no, no. I'm Mix it up. Just giving the this. game away, Gwilym. <laughs> okay, so The Passenger in Salam, the film that Claire directed and produced, uh, is played by Leslie Bibb, who is also in two big Marvel films. She was in Iron Man and Iron Man 2, where she played a character called Christine Everhart. What was her job in the films, Christine Everhart? I know. I know this. Um, 
I think I've lost this for us, Rachel. <laughs> <laughs> in one in one cocky uh, five second period, it's all lost. Uh, so, what were, what role did she play? What what was the reporter? I can't believe it. You actually <laughs> got it, Rachel. You've won it. And it was she was a journalist nice. for the Daily Bugle. Nice. Well done. You have come to you. save. You have come to save the day for Gwillem. There's he sits there, off his face. barely said anything for ten minutes, <laughs> and she wins a quiz on the New York Welsh podcast because she watches Marvel films. You asked me if I agreed to those terms. I agreed to those terms. Winner take all. Uh, so what's the prize? Uh, glory. Oh, yeah, pride. Oh, then congratulations, guys. <laughs> and the hot duck. Just, yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. This is where it ended up. That's where it is. Yeah. Surprise. Yes. Uh, that was fun. Uh, switching tact a little bit. Um, I want to talk a little bit about looking to the future. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, what are, what are you guys doing for the holidays? Any, any interesting plans? People going traveling in New York? I'm staying in New York for the first time for christmas i usually go home um but because i have to come back for work in january i decided not to make such a long trip in such a short time i suppose so uh, me and my girlfriend and her family are going to a house upstate for a week should be very nice very sort of nice i am heading back for christmas um we'll do the traditional go and see the scarlet's play with um with the family oh, so that'll be good Scott's Ospreys. yeah oh yeah, yeah. on um boxing day yeah oh, i'll go. be there oh nice yeah. do you oh, always catch go? up yeah oh yeah i always go nice i go away <laughs> as well so yeah, yeah, yeah so we do can... we nice i ran away nice i can't believe i only just realized this oh we'll have a pint this time then yeah, that sounds good sure, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll be with the old man actually my cousin um cousins will be there the twins, one supports Lanetley and one supports the Ospreys. No, ouch. No. Yeah. Ouch. So, well, someone's happy every time and someone's like, happy. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, uh, We'll be celebrating Christmas here in Brooklyn with, with my family. Uh, I'm actually going to, we're going to do some traveling and then get back just in time for the holiday. We're going to go to uh, Jamaica, my husband and I, for a week. Nice. Very excited to go somewhere warm and yeah. just chill out. And the weather's not even that cold here yet, but it's still yeah. just, just the thought of what's coming in January is filling me with dread. Dread. I'm already in my uh, sleeping bag jacket. It's just a sleeping <laughs> bag with armholes, basically. Uh-huh. Yeah, I can't. I can't bear it. It's going <laughs> to get colder. Well, I just hate the, the the thing I hate about the winter in New York is just how gross it is. It gets so dirty. Cold. As soon as it snows, it's just like brown muck water everywhere yeah and then the, the the banks of black snow that build up at the side of the road where people have shoveled it and then it's so thick it can't melt and oh, it's gross Especially move to new york everyone yeah, yeah. Christmas in new not york. a good ad for new york <laughs> um you mentioned january so and that's a good segue um what's guys tell us what's happening in what's happening next year in new york welsh what, what do you guys got planned for the community anything you can share so we are now up to about 500 members on the uh, newsletter. Uh, we started off with, I think, 70 or 80 people on the Facebook group. So in terms of numbers and the social side of things, I think it's really gone from strength wow. to strength. And that, how long, what period over? Spring 2017. Okay. So yeah. about two, and two a bit half, years, yeah. two and a half years. Yeah. Cool. And so we have the annual events that link in with BAFTA or where we join in with Royal Welsh um, College of Music and Drama, um, Welsh Language Music Day. Uh, And then what we're hoping to do as a bigger push this year are two things, really. The first is that there's going to be Wales Week in New York. Mm. uh, And that is the week before St. David's Day on the uh, 1st of March and the week after. It's a bit of a kind of, you know, a Welsh couple kind of thing. It's never just two drinks. It's a couple of drinks. So it's a Welsh week. But <laughs> Wales it's a week of... is, is actually Wales fortnight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and so uh, Mark and Ty and Claire uh, and Rachel and I are working hard on uh, that at the moment. And they're the other key organisers and founders with you, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, Ty Francis is the one behind pushing it uh, this year. Uh, he also has another project that links in with New York Welsh, which is um, providing sponsoring for uh, mixed ability and female rugby, uh, well, youth female rugby clubs uh, back home. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, there'll be a few exciting things that happen during those two weeks. What is that? I'm actually familiar with, uh, could you share the name of what's, what is that program that? Uh, sponsor Our Club. Mm-hmm. 
Um, it was set up uh, in the last year by Ty Francis. Uh, they have uh, sponsored, I think, well, there, there's at least three or four rugby teams and a, and a football team uh, that are being sponsored at the moment. A number of the members of the Welsh, New York Welsh community come together to provide funding. Uh, and then the teams are provided with a brand new kit, you know, which kind of to, to put on a new kit and get to go out and play is, you know, something really inspiring, makes you feel um, professional, you know, when you step out on the pitch. So it's doing good things. Yeah, so if you see a New, a new York Welsh branded uh, rugby shirts in your uh back in your neighborhood then you know where it's from yeah and that that lo- the logo on yeah oh amazing yeah and that right. logo created by rich yeah <laughs> i think well. you can see the on the new york welsh twitter you can see a couple of photos i think there's been something something's posted oh that's cool. awesome okay. um and where else yeah where else because it was last year right because i remember seeing did we ring the new york would you guys go and ring the um bell at the was it the new york stock yeah, exchange or the, the NASDAQ. nasdaq that was it yeah. and uh matthew reese came down uh for that along with the royal welsh college of music and drama rang the bell uh you know videos going up across times square um yeah just to talk about you know push uh, Wales out to the masses here in new york trying to find uh, those additional american welsh people that want to look into their heritage as well um but yeah, it kind of ties in with the second part, which is that we want, now that we focused on the uh, s- uh, society and the kind of community elements of it, um, that'll continue to happen. But now trying to find more channels for uh, the industry sectors. Mm. So, uh, you know, finding individuals that want to be focal points, you know, to uh, kind of pull the network together, to put events together, um, and then provide networks for people in each of those different kind of uh, industry sectors and the the whole kind of idea behind it is you don't really need you don't think you need a network until you very much need it mm. uh, and so yeah it's just trying to create a bit of a um you know a community net a, a network amongst the people out here mm. yeah, i always look forward to uh six nations and saint david's day those are my favorite events all year every year i think <laughs> Same. Do you think we'll do a Dylan Thomas thing? I say we. I'm obviously not going to be organising it. Do you think there will be a Dylan Thomas event You're this year? You're still part of the we. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's all very much a we. And the, the, um, I think there were just a couple of logistical issues last year. But um, this year, um, we're certainly uh, org- uh, looking to organise it again. So it's an annual thing. Nice. Yeah. Well, we'll be on the lookout for them. And if, if people want to, if, if they're not already, want to, want to follow or know more about these events that are happening, what's the best way to... Kind of keep track of them. I would head to the website newyorkwelsh.com. Uh, on the home page, there is a sign up for the newsletter, uh, and then all events are then posted out through Twitter and Instagram, LinkedIn, um, Facebook. Facebook, yeah, that's that's a really good one because that's an open and uh, uh, it's a private group, but it's free for anyone to post. So in addition to the events that get created by uh, New York Welsh and advertised by New York Welsh, you have a number of people posting their own kind of events and uh, gigs and things like that that come up too. Yeah. That's cool. Very cool. The I think the Welsh community works because so many people come forward and say, you know, I want to lead this kind of project or I want to push with this kind of idea. Same with you know, as what you guys did with this podcast. Um, And so going into the new year, if people are looking to really uh, take responsibility for something that they feel strongly about, then, you know, please uh, come forward and we'll support in any which way we can. Very good. Well, Nadolly Clowen to everyone. Yeah. And thank you, Rich. Very good. Thank Uh, you. Enjoy. Diach. Diach and Vowel, everybody. And uh, yeah, we'll leave you with uh, the very great Welsh congregation of New York City.